Hello and uh, welcome to another webinar from the Educator School Safety Network. Uh, I'm a little thrown off with my normal introduction because this is not a normal webinar. Um, but it's a special edition. Um, those of you who are joining us live are aware that uh, not just in the world of education, but everyone everywhere is sort of in unprecedented times. And so we decided to change our normal webinar that we had scheduled, although we will still do that webinar and we will release that in the future. Um, we wanted to do this webinar where we're talking about sort of unusual lessons um, that educators have to learn about um, from COVID-19. Um, before we get too far, we should probably introduce ourselves. Um, I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we are with the Educator School Safety Network. We are a national nonprofit and we provide school safety training and resources and technical assistance to schools throughout the United States and Canada. And one of those resources is this weekly live stream. Um, we have a weekly live stream where we talk about school safety issues that are facing educators and administrators. And then every once in a while, about once a month, we have um, longer form webinars that can help people build up their professional practice. And so today we, we do want to still make sure that we're providing content and we're providing resources to folks, but I think we want to talk a little bit more specifically about what's happening um, because yeah, we're in I, I, I think time. we want to I think we want to combine the the strengths of a podcast with the strengths of a webinar and sort of have a conversation with some takeaways and rather than uh, there's been so many infographics out there, we decided to just have a human touch rather than having a PowerPoint. So we want a human to, touch six feet away. We, right, okay, a virtual there human go. touch, good point. And we want to just kind of have a conversation and really make this more of a reflection because uh, we don't have answers on a lot of the things that we're gonna talk about today. And we don't know how some of those things are going to shake out. So some of the uncertainty um, clearly is around public health and all of these other things, but there's also a lot of uncertainty and sort of uh, trial and error in terms of how we are educating in March of uh, 2020 and what education looks like right now, as opposed to what it looked like just a few short weeks ago. So we kind of have a couple of those um, sort of aspects that I think we want to reflect on. So do you want to get started or should I start? Well, I think you wanted to talk a little bit, sort of just acknowledge uh, the moment and what is our new normal um, and what everyone is, is going through and, and kind of what that means. Well, I think we, we want to acknowledge that it's a time of a lot of anxiety. It's a lot, it's a time of a lot of people sort of struggling to find their footing um, in uncertainty economically, uncertainty about how long this is going to last, you know, all those things. And we've heard, you know, if you turn on the TV for one minute, you hear a lot of talking heads with a lot of those sort of things. Mm -hmm. But what we kind of want to focus on is sort of the, the future in terms of what are the implications for what's happening right now and then a little bit further down the road in terms of education. But I think it's really critical to start with what I consider to be the most entertaining thing that has happened um, in, in this whole pandemic, if there is supposed to be anything entertaining. Well, and I think it's important to say that, you know, we do the work of school safety. We talk about potential 
tragedy befalling children, um, tragedy at lower levels, tragedy at the highest, most awful, incomprehensible levels. We, we do this work 365 days a year. And I think we're really intentional um, that it, it's one of those things that if you didn't laugh a little bit every once in a while, you would cry. Um, and we have found that when we're providing professional development to educators and when we're doing training and consulting, that if we are so stiff and so serious, people and their anxiety actually goes up and it becomes difficult to do this work. And so please don't misconstrue that we're not taking this seriously. We understand there has been a lot of tragedy around the globe and there has been a lot of tragedy and hardship in this country and, and probably more to come. Um, so please don't misconstrue us as being glib or being flippant. Um, we take this very seriously. We take all of the work that we do about school safety very seriously, but we have to find a little bit of the bright side of some of it um, for everyone's well-being and mental health. So, so you kind of left everybody hanging there with the most entertaining because now they think I'm going to say something awful about, you know, viruses or whatever as, as being entertaining. What I am finding to be the most entertaining, which I think is really ironic because I am not a social media person at all and not particularly enamored with social media. But I have to say that I find the social media postings relative to people providing education for their children at home to be vastly entertaining. So number one, good for all of our parents out there for giving it a try mm -hmm. uh, and for being self-effacing enough to sort of say, this is a struggle. This is not what I had anticipated. And they don't even have and, a whole classroom full. They just have their own children. Well, and then there's sort of the victory lap that we as educators and teachers <laughs> should be taking, sort of going, I told you, I told you, <laughs> did I not tell you about your child doing it? Did I not tell you? And, and so I think, you know, educators, teachers, we all need to do sort of a collective yeah, I told you that so that everybody can kind of get on an even footing. Um, but I have seen some very funny postings on social media. Um, I think probably the best one was, and I've seen it in a couple from a couple different countries, actually, where essentially the gist of the message is I've been homeschooling my child for 45 minutes. Teachers ne need to get paid a million dollars a year. <laughs> um, I also like the one where it's like day one of homeschooling two students suspended for fighting and the teacher is drinking on the job. So I think people are really getting, um, there's sort of this burst of appreciation um, for educators and for teachers, which I think is great. Um, I, um, saw, I saw one that I wanted to add that it was day one of homeschooling, me on day one of homeschooling. And it's like Mary Poppin, like poised and like doing things with the children, me on day two of homeschooling. And it's Miss Hannigan from the, uh, movie of Annie where she's drinking and haggard and yelling at the kids. So, <laughs> well, and, and you know, and, and I think that I personally think this is funny on two levels because as an educator, I like the turnabout sort of, yeah. And, and I saw one where somebody said, um, we've been telling you that your kids are like this and you didn't believe mm -hmm. me until you saw it for yourself. But also from the other side of that coin, as a parent of four children who are all adults now, I would no more have wanted to homeschool the four of you for three weeks than anything. So I am feeling a lot of sympathy 
as well as vindication on both sides of, of that coin. And so I think that appreciation is really important. And I think the additional appreciation, and I've seen a couple really nicely worded um, social media postings, to think about how quickly um, you had essentially an army of people turn schooling from a daily face-to-face -face endeavor to an online endeavor in less than, in many cases, 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. And the, the person that was making that comment was, there is no government or agency on earth that could have done that, except you turn teachers loose with their mm -hmm. creativity and get out of the way. And this is what they'll give you. And I think that is a really valid point. Yes, people have struggled a bit to do that. Some people have been freaking out more than others. It's been a difficult time, but I think it's really important to note that in a really short turnaround, you have asked educators to fundamentally transform the way that we educate kids. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a huge shift um, that I think bears some reflection and some conversation, not only about what that means right now, but what that means um, kind of going forward. So, well, and so that sort of transitions us into the next thing that we wanted to dis discuss, which is, you know, we've done this unprecedented, um, this unprecedented thing to transition to online schooling um, to help hopefully stop the spread of the coronavirus. And then the question is, uh, and not questioning that decision, but then the question is, what other are the unintended consequences? We talk a lot um, on this podcast and in our training about the unintended consequences of the things that we do that are well-intentioned um, but have other consequences. And, and I think, uh, you know, for me, um, with my background as an attorney, I've been thinking a lot when we shift what school means from what we typically think of it to this online instruction, what does that mean as far as dealing with bullying and harassment and the restriction of student speech? Um, I, I teach school law courses at the graduate level, and we do a whole unit talking about student speech and the distinction between student speech that happens at school. So Tinker versus Des Moines, for those of you who uh, still have flashbacks of uh, <laughs> awful school law courses that you had to take, um, to online student speech and how those are regulated so differently. And I think it is a interesting legal question that hopefully won't actually come to litigation, but when all of the school is online, when all of the normal school day comes online, does is it the school's responsibility to manage what the kids are doing on TikTok because they're on they're on a school computer at home now potentially or they're working yeah. on schoolwork at home online and it's just it, it's become so so blurry whereas before it was this is school time school property um, and obviously you know schools have the capacity to regulate speech that happens on school grounds during school time using school equipment. Well, that's a very clear notion sometimes, and what we're doing now, that can be a very different thing. And so, and we know that that you know teachers have this very specifically delineated responsibility for supervision in face-to-face -face mm -hmm. environments where kids are supposed to be supervised, and we're supposed to be aware, and we have a responsibility to intervene in bullying and in harassment and all those sort of things that are pretty cut and dried and clear for folks in a face-to-face -face environment. And when you upend that and without a lot of preparation or yeah. forethought, put everyone into this virtual school um, without those guidelines or expectations, there's some real gray areas that I think people are going to struggle with. 
And I, and I know, you know, you talk about educators being able to do this work at such short notice. Um, I know educators will be able to rise to this challenge, but we also need to keep in mind, you know, we have students um, who maybe aren't in great situations at home or who feel isolated at school and only have a few uh, people that make them feel less isolated and now they are somewhat cut off contact from those folks. So we just need to yeah. be really cognizant of, of what's happening you know, with our kids and, and the anxiety that they might feel and how this shift and transition um, is impacting them um, across the board in a lot yeah. of different ways that we look at it. Well, and, and I think, you know, let's let's continue to walk down that path a little bit, exploring some of these unintended consequences mm -hmm. that present safety concerns specifically. You've yeah. kind of touched on some liability concerns, but I think we also need to look at how some of our new normal for at least, you know, a, a mm -hmm. week or two or three or a month or whatever it is, mm -hmm. how our new normal has generated some potential safety concerns. And before we do that, I do want to say, I do understand that we sound like Debbie Downer of like, here's this, you know, wonderful thing that people are doing and here's us pulling together and then we're going to come in and go, whoa, but wait a minute. Yeah. But I think it is really important for us to reflect on and not in our haste and our zeal to do the right thing, not inadvertently create safety concerns yeah. that we're going to regret later. So yeah. don't look at us as being Debbie Downers. Look at us as sort of lifting up some things to kind of look at real quickly and sort of go, yeah, is that a concern? So yeah. I want to piggyback the first one on what you said. Um, we have people that are rushing to online instruction that are trying to put together online experiences for kids and trying to do those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I do think we need to be careful that we are not inadvertently sending them into unvetted areas of the internet in our rush to say, hey, go look at this thing or go yeah. research this thing or interact with these people or have this experience over here or put this group together. So we need to be very careful, especially if we have educators that have not spent a lot of time teaching online or using online resources. Mm -hmm. We can't just shove everyone into the deep end of the internet and go, well, I hope everything turns out okay. Yeah. I think we're better off to take sort of, if we're gonna use the pool analogy, get started the baby steps, uh, the baby end and take those little steps with the railing down into it rather than just sort of, we got to do something. So best of luck here in on the internet and see what happens to you. So I do think we need to be careful about that in terms of some of those instructional kind of approaches. Um, the other one that I think um, I have, you know, as I watch a lot of this stuff unfold, you know, and you and I have talked about this, we, we begin to sort of see because one of the things that we train administrators for good or for ill is school administrators are trained to look at something and go, oh, no, what could go wrong here? And that's what I am always looking at in some of these things that are happening. So when we talk about this distribution of food, I am at, I am alternatively, on one hand, um, really humbled and awed by the uh, ingenuity and the willingness of folks to do things. Mm -hmm to make sure that kids are getting the services they need, whether it's instruction or food or supervision or whatever that is. But when we're talking specifically about the food, for example, I do get a little bit concerned when people in their rush to do goodwill and to do the right thing are creating 
potential safety problems. For example, I saw one where they were doing drive-through distribution of food. Great idea. But they weren't adequately planning for the traffic flow. So now you had cars coming in and people running between the cars to, you know, in their haste to try to give the food to people. And so you you have those kind of concerns. You have lots of people clustered together um, mm-hmm. doing the distribution. Um, so I think the same way that we look at safety concerns for traffic control and crowd control in arrival and dismissal, when we have a lot of traffic and a lot of people moving, we need to apply that same level of attention to the distribution of, you know, or people getting packets of, you know, assignments or whatever it is when we're moving large numbers of people through our parking lots and through our schools. And I think that's a concern that we have a lot of schools on a normal day. Um, I think you sort of presume that all schools uh, have a really good plan for arrival and dismissal and traffic flow. We've seen schools that have thought about it and they have adequate supervision and they have a really specific system in place um, and it's really well thought out and it's really well done. We've also seen schools where it is kind of like Lord of the Flies out there in the parking lot and like whoever makes it, makes it and whoever doesn't, doesn't. And you know, when we talk about an all hazards comprehensive approach, that's a tragedy too. If you have a child who is struck by a bus and killed at arrival or dismissal, that is as tragic as some of the high-profile um, violence that is so you know sometimes equated yeah. with school safety. So I think that's another good thing to say. What is our plan for this now in this uncertain or in this atypical time, and how can we transition that when we are back doing normal arrival and dismissal? How can we make sure that we have um, adequate procedures to keep our parking lot and our walkways safe when we and in our back to normal school? And in our haste to do the right thing and to do anything we can to get this food out to kids or to get the, this work out to kids, let's not jeopardize people yeah. um, by putting them into these situations. So that kind of transitions to the second part of that concern. And that is the, again, this really incredibly positive rush of people wanting to help. And so you have volunteers and people coming into the school and they want to help and they want to hand out things to kids and they want to do all these things. And again, we need to be careful um, that we are taking this sequentially. Um, As much as we know that there are kids that this is maybe their primary food source, we cannot jeopardize them in other ways just so that we can get a meal in their hands an hour sooner. Um, so take your time, be, you know, be deliberate in terms of setting up things and vetting people and who is this person and do we know them and what's the relationship with the school and how are we going to have people move through and what's that traffic flow going to look like and how are we going to keep that social distance. And so we don't want to trade one problem for another. And now we've created additional jeopardy for our kids by the way that we are trying to distribute this well-intentioned aid. And so I think it's really important for us to all press pause, pump the brakes a second, and kind of think through what does this make, you know, what makes sense to do that in terms of who's coming in, how are we having them distribute that type of thing. 
The other sort of unintended consequences are, are things that maybe a school can't necessarily control, um, but it might be something to maybe help provide some guidance to folks. You know, there's the question of like what's happening with informal childcare that we, you know, now in the absence of normal school functioning, we have sort of these informal daycares springing up, um, which again is, you know, probably growing out of people wanting to be helpful and um, wanting to pool their resources. But, you know, what are the potential concerns with that? Um, kids being congregating. I mean, uh, I, I don't know, I haven't heard a ton of this happening, but of kids, you know, congregating in public places because we can't be in school, um, that kind of defeats the purpose of social distancing. Um, also, you know, parents who are not taking it very seriously and who are still out and about with kids. Um, and so that might be something to just, you know, to be able to provide some education to your parents. So we're not yeah. closing schools because we didn't feel like having school for two weeks or three weeks or however long they were canceled for. It's because of social distancing. And, and you know, we hope that that uh, education is getting out to people through other channels. But maybe that would be something uh, that our educators um, can Yeah, support. because we have to acknowledge the credibility that teachers and educators yeah. have in terms of kids yeah. listening to them. I was seeing a video of this little little guy who was he was crying. He was so happy to see his teacher again. It was a second grader. And he was was just so excited to see his teacher on the inner, you know, on the the computer. They had some kind of a Zoom meeting or some kind of a meeting. And, and that that influence is yeah. really powerful. And I think that we need to have conversations with kids about where they're going and what they're doing and if there is an adequate supervision for them because the parents are still working. And so I think we have a lot of safety concerns that have sort of blossomed as a result of kids being put into this really unstructured environment that is really, for many of us, very, very foreign, not what we typically have. You know, you may have, have a kid that is home by himself for 45 minutes after school who is now home by himself literally the entire day. Um, and so I think we need to be, to be cognizant of that. So I, I think those sort of issues are certainly kind of safety concerns. Um, and, and I think the last one that maybe seems like a small one, but I think it really is relevant and we need to talk about it is the lack of safety training that is not occurring in schools because we're not in session. At this time of year, typically in schools, you're going to see them start talking about bike safety. You're gonna hear them talk about tornado safety, depending on where you are in the country. You're going to hear them talk about other safety concerns. And there's sort of this ongoing conversation about safety, fire safety, all those different things that are not taking place. And I understand maybe in the larger scheme of things that doesn't seem like as much of a problem, but that certainly is a concern as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I, you know, I, I guess this is not necessarily the place for a commercial, but we're going to try um, a, as part of our mission to push some resources out there and to get assistance um, for parents who maybe want to do a little bit of safety training and feel like it's not necessarily, they're not exactly sure what to do or what to say. So keep an eye out for those kind of resources, because this is an important part of that total whole child curriculum that's not happening right now. And then kind of the last big thing we want to talk about is, you know, this, you know, coronavirus is a, a big, unprecedented, um, isolated concern. Um, but the question is, what are the lessons that we as educators and as educational leaders, what are the lessons that we can learn about the way that we prepare um, for school safety in the future? And, and I think 
um, I think that it's kind of instructive to think about this, you know, when, when we work with schools, we really talk about, instead of saying, what are the risks and hazards that we might face? And let's create policies and procedures for each one of those. And we'll see this sometimes in flip charts, where the flip charts will be student unrest, uh, civil unrest on the bus, bomb threat in the thing, bomb threat here, as opposed Remember to- Remember that one that was a bomb threat on a field trip, a bomb threat yeah, on a bus, the, a bomb threat in the school. And, and instead, what we, what we really advocate for, and we've seen schools have a lot of success with, instead saying, what are the things that we're capable of doing? What are our response procedures? You know, we talk about standard response procedures, drop, cover, and hold, evacuation, reverse evacuation, um, you know, things like this. Those are the capabilities that we have. So we're going to do a reverse evacuation, which is bringing students from the outside of the building into the building. We're going to do that whether it's a hailstorm, whether a dragon flies over and starts shooting fire, uh, or whether there's unrest. I mean, but as opposed to saying, what are all the things that could potentially okay, well, happen? Okay, well, I didn't expect that procedures. we were going to go into the fantasy element, but okay. But, uh, I guess you're just checking would, to make sure everyone's still listening. Yeah. But we would do a reverse <laughs> evacuation if law enforcement was serving a warrant in the neighborhood right behind where our playground was. We would do a reverse evacuation for all of those things. And so I guess the, the, the question that we sort of want to pose is, Obviously, there's a lot of lessons to be learned um, from what's happening in coronavirus. And, and this is sort of a unique situation in that typically when you have a crisis event in your school, the governor isn't going to be making decisions on your behalf. Typically, crisis events are localized to a community or even probably more so localized to your school. And so rather than saying, well, what could we do? How can we prepare for another pandemic? What are the skills and capabilities that we have um, and that we could apply them, whether it was a pandemic, whether it was a warrant being served or whether it was a dragon, that we, what are the skills and capabilities that we have? And then we could apply them to whatever risk and hazard that we might face. Do you want to kind of add to that? I feel like it's a very difficult, I feel like I have a hard time explaining thinking have you about been that watching, differently. Have you been watching a lot of Game of Thrones during quarantine no, at the was, dragon thing or no, maybe Harry Potter? I'm no, not sure. I just was kind of thinking of like, what would be another reason that you would reverse evacuate? Okay. Like bad okay. weather? Well, I do think that it is really interesting that we have spent in school safety so much time in the past eight years, five years, whatever, fo fixating and focusing on, you know, an active shooter situation. And we have done so much, con had so much conversation about that with every, every, every child. Mm -hmm. And yet out of left field, essentially, comes this thing that has fundamentally altered Every, every, almost, you know, the majority of kids in the United States, as well as probably worldwide, has fundamentally altered their daily life. And we have really never spent any time really having conversations about that until it was thrust upon us. So I think as we move forward, we need to reflect on, are we better, how can we better serve our students by broadening our scope of what we are concerned about, not worrying about, but broadening our capabilities, yeah. that we have the capability to respond to a lot of different things using these basic capabilities that everybody needs to have that are beyond stop, you know, lockdown or, you know, run, hide, fight but that are beyond that capability to be able to rapidly evacuate, to be able to rapidly 
um, you know, adapt to a situation, situational awareness, all these different sort of things um, that we, I think we would really be in the best interest of all of our students to kind of broaden our capabilities beyond this active shooter fixation that we have had. And, and please understand, we've said this a hundred million times, we are in no way underplaying or denying the tragedy of an active shooter event. But we also have to acknowledge that there's a lot of safety concerns and a lot of issues going on right now and a lot of concerns and anxiety and you know, tragedy that have nothing to do with an active shooter right now, that have nothing to do with gun violence, but we still have to serve those kids in this situation. So I think that broadening is clearly going to be one of the lessons we're going to need to have um, moving forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, in our previous um, pod where we talked about uh, coronavirus last week and we talked about continuity of operations plans and we talked about the importance of being able to communicate with with parents, I think really now, um, especially after the initial crush of transitioning to online, um, maybe now is a good time to to take a little bit of time and think about what are our protocols? What capabilities do we have for communicating with parents? Um, So because that is a capability that your school and your school district needs to have, no matter what is the concern, we need to have a a way to be able to communicate with parents well. Um, Continuity of operations. What would we do if we can't occupy this space because of coronavirus? What would we do if we couldn't occupy this school because uh, there was a flood, there was six inches of water? And now we can't work in the school because of they're doing mold mitigation. Those are the type of capabilities that that schools need to have of being able to build up some of that resiliency. And and as opposed to thinking, I only have to worry about this one hazard, active shooter response. It's what are the capabilities that I'm going to need to have? I'm going to need to communicate with parents no matter what the tragedy is, no matter what the hazard was, even if it wasn't a tragedy, no matter what the thing was, I need to be able to communicate with parents. So I think that was a really good time to, to circle back to that. I think that kind of, I think you've kind of led us very nicely to sort of the last thing that I want to talk about, which is more of a reflection, I guess, of looking at, we are not going to, on some magical day in April or May or whenever it is, flip a switch and everything is going to be exactly the same as it was on January, in January. Uh, We're not going to be able to just flip a switch and be, quote unquote, back to normal. But on the other hand, we will come out of this and we will be going back to many of the things that we used to use, mm-hmm. we used to do day to day. We will have school again in a classroom. So I think it's really important for us to start to think you about say that again louder for the parents who are struggling homeschooling. We will, yes. It you will, will not always you will not always have to teach long division. Hang in there. You won't, you won't. <laughs> You won't have to teach cursive, it'll be okay. Uh, But I think it's really critical for us as educators and parents, frankly, to kind of land in the middle of that, of what are some things that are going to be positively changed? Mm -hmm. Are we going to continue to have a better awareness of infectious disease and public health sort of Mm -hmm. things? Are we going to continue to have this appreciation for teachers and what they do? Are we going to continue to have a better collaboration between home and school where parents are accepting responsibility and teachers are looping them in and working with Mm -hmm. them? So there's all of that stuff. And then we also have to sort of look at there are things that we're going to have to continue to do better at. Um, and so I think it's really important to start 
to think about debriefing, if you will, of, of after action sort of things. What do we need to prepare for in the future? Will we have additional public health situations down the line? Will we have additional you know, natural disasters, whatever those things are? And so I think it's really important for us to kind of reflect on how do we keep this good and how do we mitigate or change some of the things that we've really struggled with as we've been through this? And I think it's really, I think families can do that. I think individual teachers can do that. I think certainly schools and organizations need to do that because we're not going to go back to 100% of exactly what we were before fundamentally, but it's also not going to be so different. So we need to keep the good try to mitigate some of the bad. And so I think that will be a very interesting discussion as we go through these next few months. And we'll probably have that discussion again, because I do think it's really critical to reflect on. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, if you are looking for any of the past things that we referenced, past webinars, past live streams, um, other resources, really anything that you're looking for that we can do to help, um, the best way to do that is go directly to our website, www.eschoolsafety.org. Um, if you're joining us on YouTube, we always wave to the folks who joined us live on YouTube. Um, you can see our other videos right here on YouTube. If you are listening to us as a podcast, um, we always ask folks to rate and review and subscribe. Um, if you have a colleague who you think should have heard some of this, you can always forward them that. You can reach out to us on social media. And if you have questions, um, you can reach out to us directly on social media um, or directly um, on our website. So. We hope everyone is staying safe and staying sane and washing their hands. And um, we stick with us. We will be here. We'll be bringing you more stuff. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to get together virtually. Um, so come back. We'll be here. All right. Thanks.